I was just handed this note that um, Arturo Rios, the director from the Bible Institute in Tijuana, where uh, for a few years we had groups go down to Tijuana and do some service down there, short-term mission trips with our young people. And Arturo was the director of the institute there where they went and served. And he uh, passed away and has gone to be with the Lord. So some of you will have known him and been blessed by his life and ministry and might want to know that that's what's happened. And for that, we praise the Lord, that he was faithful and that he's with Jesus. A couple of other things that I'll mention this morning. One is that we have a clothing giveaway that is going to take place this spring. And we need pledges from you people, from us, to have a 100 bags of clothes before we decide to actually carry through with this. At the last clothing exchange, we were down considerably in terms of the number of clothes that we had. And I know people over time, you, you both get used to doing it, and so it becomes something you don't focus on as much. And also, after you've given all your clothes away, what are you going to give away? So uh, with time, however, you will have some more to give away. And so we are trying to get 100 bags pledged before we actually say we're going to carry through with this. So I hope that you take advantage of that. And uh, it's coming up quickly, kind of the deadline here and when we are going to want to make that decision. So please make sure that you uh, sign up for that. You can see the back bulletin board. That will tell you more about that and give you an opportunity. You can call Hope in the office and tell her and sign up. And I think you can sign up on the website as well. So please be aware of that. Also, next Sunday, we won't be having classes uh, with the long weekend. But we are going to have a potluck brunch at 10 a.m. So please bring things like fruit, cheese, muffins, etc. It's not a big meal. It's just more of a, a light kind of thing. And it says sign up can be found on the weekly email to help us coordinate the food, but sign up isn't necessary to attend. And then, uh, <coughs> yeah, it says here that we're going to be actually taking a donation for that because we're trying to raise some more money for the kids who are going to Estonia this year. They don't go to Tijuana anymore, but to Estonia. So please take advantage of that. And then if you happen to be an ice fisher person, uh, ice fishing is coming up. There's information about that in the bulletin. And so I encourage you to be part of that day as well. Dress warmly and wear a life jacket because you never know. We have lots of folks gone this morning. We have about, like there's 35 people that are up at Pine Lake today, and I'm going to guess that 30 of those are probably from this, from this particular worship service usually. So be praying about those uh, young people and the adults that are with them. I'm sure they're having a great time. We have a video that we're going to show right now. Jesse, if you want to show the video, that would be great. for you to be personal with God? Um... I think it's, I, I feel like I'm personal with God when I am acting out love in our world. But to, to feel him, to, to cry on his shoulders. Spending time uh, in, his, in his word, meditating on, on what his, his word is saying to you. It means to have a one-on-one -on -one, uh, relationship with him as the best friend. Um, he's my savior. And he's also my God. Being aware that he's uh, with me every step of the way in everything that I do. To reach out and uh, know that he's there. 
if I like talk honestly to God. Whatever decision we uh, may end up uh, taking as a family is to have God at the center. Talk to Him, confide in, ask for guidance. Praying to Him often, um, going to Him for help. means to uh, speak with Him one-on-one -on -one with God as though you're talking to a friend. And there's an intimacy there that um, establishes that I am, I am interested in being with him and he loves me. Something that's personal is something that's not formal. What do you do to feel connected to God? Um, <clears throat> I try to talk to him as much as I can, pray to him. I try to approach him every morning and with looking at scripture and with prayer and just asking for his direction every day. Well, I try to find my time to be alone with God. I get up earlier than the rest of my family and I read my Bible. I love reading my Bible. So when do you feel most connected to God? Uh, when I'm alone in like just like with no distractions when I'm loving or being loved by others. In church and uh, in my room, I, I, I like. When I'm reading or practicing scripture. Hearing God in the, in, the, in the words of a song or I'm actually getting it right as to who does God need me to talk to today. Through being close to my brothers and sisters in Christ. And when I'm praying, when I'm reading the Bible, when I'm studying, that's when I feel most connected spending time on the Word, spending time with His people. When we start worshiping and just start singing the songs, because I just get this connection with Him. In a nature setting, I really do connect with God there. During while I'm praying, uh, it just feels like you're talking to Him personally. The truth is, when my needs are most. Probably in my hardest times, <clears throat> when I need Him the most. When there's, you know, um, some kind of event going on in, in your life, for good or for, or, or something more tragic. Even through the death of a child, because he never ever left me, he carried me. When going through a trial, or if I'm suffering or mourning, I know he's there to comfort me. And I don't know what I would have ever done if I didn't have that faith and God to rely on because I certainly could have never done it on my own. Well, I think when I lay my head down to sleep, probably more than any other time, yeah. We're talking this morning about, uh, about personal spirituality what it means to relate specifically to God. And I don't know what that means for you specifically. I don't know what that looks like for you. You know, usually when we talk about personal spirituality, we talk about the level of our personal commitments to Christian ethics or personal righteousness. Somehow we live out a certain kind of life because we're connected to Jesus. Sometimes I think that looks maybe like, if a preacher talks about that all the time, too much like a, a grocery list that you've seen a lot. And you, you know, have you noticed your grocery lists all start looking the same? You go to the store and it's, 
Oh, there's chicken on there. That's, the chicken's always on there, and vegetables are always on there, and you know this is always on there. This is, and, and one of these days you're going to look on there and say, today I'm having uh, lobster. That, that's all that's on my list. I'm just going to get that. Or I'm, I'm getting the, the one steak cut that I really want more than anything else is what I want to see on my grocery list. But we start talking about sometimes the same things. And it feels a little bit funny to do so. And besides, who am I to evaluate what you might be thinking is important to you? And so I don't know if I want to talk about today all the things that you might do that are always on our lists that we seem to always turn to. And so even things like prayer and Bible study and worship and giving or living simply, we talk about those all the time as well. And so this morning in talking about uh, spirituality, I don't want to talk just about go study your Bibles or go pray or go worship or go live simply. Instead, what I want to do this morning is focus on a couple of things that seem to me like they are really, really at the heart of what Jesus wants us to to think about when we think about what it means to be spiritual before him and ask the question really about who Jesus is in one sense. What is it that he did? How did he live? What was a priority for him? What is it that makes him spiritual? And we know he's the son of God, but he's also a human being. So how is it that Jesus lives out his life as a human being and what are his priorities? And so I would ask some questions like this. In considering the life and teachings of Jesus, what was the most central impact on his life as a human being? Moment by moment, but then also in the grand scheme of things, of his connection with his Father through the Holy Spirit. What is the key impact of the relationship that God the Son in the flesh had with God the Father and God the Holy Spirit that should in turn impact us? Like that seems to me like a pretty important question. In fact, a larger question than just asking what are the specific kinds of things that you want me to do. Let's look at the big picture this morning and ask some really big questions questions. And so we could just ask a question like this. What does it even mean to be spiritual? What does that mean? What does it mean to connect somehow to God? Because after all, Jesus was spiritual. He was a part of the material world. Excuse me. He was a part of the material world But in the midst of that, he was in close relationship with his father. So I did some thinking this week about that and about about what it means for Jesus himself to be spiritual. And I came up with just a couple of core ideas. So I'm not going to focus on prayer this morning. I'm not going to focus on reading the word. I'm not going to focus on those other things that we might do. Just two key core ideas that I think are right at the heart of the spirituality of Jesus, which I think raises questions about what should be right at the heart for us. So here we go. And my sense is that if we did these two things, if they were right at the core of our spiritual lives, that we might end up looking an awful lot like Jesus. The first one is simply this. 
Jesus wanted more than anything else to do the will of his Father. And there's a sense in which that's all he wanted. That's all he came for. And so Jesus says things like this. For I've come down from heaven, not to do my will, but to do the will of him who sent me. Jesus said, my food is to do the will of him who sent me and to finish his work. That seems to be the very purpose for which he came. If I ask him what his priorities are, even as he gets to his own death, says, not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven, but only the one who does the will of my father is in heaven. Whoever does the will of my father in heaven is my brother and my sister and my mother. Going a little further, he fell on his face to the ground and prayed, my father, if it's possible, may this cup be taken from me, not, not yet not what I will, but as you will. And he went away a second time and prayed, my father, it's not possible for this cup to be taken away unless I drink it. May your will be done. So Jesus comes, he says, specifically to do the will of God. And then in passage after passage after passage and circumstance after circumstance after circumstance, we find Jesus focused specifically on the will of God and really nothing else. So what if every decision that you made, every crisis that you experienced, every challenge that you had, every hurdle, every rough time, what if all of those things were governed by this same question? What is your will? Now, my sense is that if we ask constantly the question, what is your will, God, that there'd be a lot less wasted time. There'd be a lot less dissatisfaction and frustration. And I don't think that we're immune to dissatisfaction and frustration. I I talk to some of you. And there are things in your lives I know that dissatisfy you. There are some of you who are sitting here this morning who are frustrated with various things in life. There are some of you who are challenged and faced with things that you just don't know which way to turn. You don't know what to do. You don't know how you're going to get yourself out of the circumstance that you're in. You just wish that things were different. And we do try all kinds of things to get ourselves out of those circumstances. And I would say that as we're trying all those things to get out of these circumstances, that one of the questions that needs to constantly be steering our ship is the question of what is the will of our Father? What do I need to do right now in this circumstance that seems to be the will of God in my life? And here's the thing. If you're able to ask what is God's will... And come up with an answer. You are never going to feel guilty about another decision in your life. You will never regret the choice that you made. You're never going to feel like a failure 
in response to the choice that you made. And I would say that so many of the world's problems, at least in this materially wealthy Western world of ours, come down so often to our feelings about our self-worth. Like most of the people I talk to who really struggle with life when they have difficulties, most of them have some kind of struggle with their self-worth. And we're always wondering whether or not we've failed or we've made mistakes or what, what could we do better. And Jesus, I think, was faced with all the challenges that you and I are faced with in terms of what life could be or should be. But Jesus was constantly asking the question, what is it that is my Father's will? I think at every single moment. And if you knew that always in your heart you were simply trying to do the will of God, I think all of those self-esteem struggles that we have they would have to somehow dissolve. Because every time you thought, well, I don't know what they think of me. I don't know if I did the right thing. I don't know if I'm smart enough. I don't know if I look good enough. I don't know if I'm making the right decision here. If at every moment you thought, simply, what is God's will for my life right now? What do I need to do that's going to put me in line with his will? Could you then at the end say, clearly I wasn't smart enough? No, because you were doing his will. What somebody else thought of me, they thought this was the bad decision. I made a mistake here. Well, that's possible. But I know in my heart I was trying to do God's will. As we make that decision and that choice to say, this is the priority in my life. It seems to me like an awful lot of things fade away that would otherwise cause us great difficulty. And so the first thing I want to say is, this morning, work on doing God's will. We spend a great deal of energy, time, money, trying to get what we think will ultimately make us happy. We try in a million different ways to have perfect health, the perfect level of self-worth, a perfect personal appearance. For those of you who are dieting, you know exactly what I mean. For those of you who are seeking the perfect hairstyle, you know exactly what I mean. When clearly hair is not the be and end all. You might try the perfect career. You might try the perfect leisure activity. You might find the perfect distraction, the perfect crutch, the perfect addiction, the perfectly green grass that stands just on the other side of the perfect fence. But ask any really wealthy person if money alone creates happiness. Ask anyone with the perfect house if their house creates their happiness. Ask anyone with the perfect body, but don't email me all week long, please. Um, Ask anyone with the perfect body or the perfect hair if having these things has totally satisfied their deepest desires. 
Ask any one of the celebrities that we read about or see photos of constantly if their fame has made them happy. They would all say no. Donald Trump apparently has the perfect career and the perfect hair. He is extremely wealthy and extremely powerful, but I would say in watching him interact with those around him that he's not the happiest man in the world, even though he does have the perfect hair. And so we're going to have to look elsewhere for perfect happiness. Well, I think asking questions about the will of God in our lives takes us a great distance in that direction. There's a second question that I think we need to ask besides that one. And I would say that these two pillars are the pillars this morning on what I would want to stand in terms of trying to say, what is it that's going to put me in a position of being happy and successful in all the things that really make for the fulfilled life? And so it's this second question. How can I best love others? And just like all those other passages that point in the direction of the will of God being a priority for Jesus, there are so many passages that drive us to the point of saying that love is the priority for Christ. Like, for example, for example, teacher, which is the greatest commandment in the law? Jesus replied, love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your mind. This is the first and greatest commandment. And the second's like it, love your neighbor as yourself. And then notice this line. All the law and the prophets hang on these two commandments. This is interesting because he's writing this and speaking this to Jews. And they know all about the law and they know all about the prophets. And the law and the prophets drive for the Jewish people everything. Their whole religious existence is wrapped up in the law and the prophets. And then Jesus says that their personal spiritual lives then, are going to be driven specifically by love, fulfilling the law and the prophets that they hold so dear. So to these Jews, Jesus was saying, this sums up your whole spiritual life. The idea of loving one another. Jesus says, as the Father has loved me, so I have loved you. Now remain in my love. If you keep my commandments, you will remain in my love, just as I've kept my Father's commands and remain in his love. I've told you this so that my joy may be in you and that your joy may be complete. My command is this, love each other as I've loved you. And you look at what is going to make them ultimately joyful. Verse 11 says, I've told you this so that my joy may be in you and that your joy may be complete. What is it that is going to lend to happiness and success and this feeling of joy and in fact fulfilling what God's will in life for you is? And it comes down then to loving one another. There we go. I got it, Chris. Thanks. Paul said, and now these three remain, faith, hope, and love, but the greatest of these is love, and we know this so well. And it's absolutely true. We could say, and over all these virtues put on love, which binds them all together in perfect unity, and it's clear that there's a a building crescendo here in terms of what the highest priority for Paul is. It's love. It's agape. And it's only through this that we really find life 
and happiness, again, and joy over all these things. The greatest of these is love. Put that on. And I pray that you, being rooted and established in love, may have power together with all the Lord's holy people to grasp how wide and long and high and deep is the love of Christ, and to know this love that surpasses knowledge, that you may be filled to the measure of all the fullness of God. And so what becomes the root? What becomes the power? What is it that needs to expand into all the heights and all the depths that surpasses all knowledge? that is actually going to fill us up to the full measure of God? Well, it's when we start loving one another. And we can actually focus on love itself as the core and center of all of human existence in order to be all that God wants us to be. And His will, fitting together with perfect love becomes the epitome of all that God desires for humankind. And so here you are thinking, what can I do to be happy? What can I do to be successful? What can I strive for that will fulfill me as a human being? And all the while God's saying, here's my will, and ultimately my will is for you to love. And so everyone who loves like that has been born of God and knows God. Whoever does not love does not know God because God is love. Dear friends, since God so loved us, we also ought to love one another. No one has ever seen God, but if we love one another, God lives in us. And his love is made complete in us. And so again, there's this fulfillment, the sense that all is what it should be when love becomes the crowning virtue in the life of the Christian. And then I can't think of a better kind of summation than something like this. If we love one another, God lives in us. And his love is made complete in us. So that his will and his presence and love come together in a perfect kind of unity. And then we're told, of course, by Jesus that if this is the case, they will know that we're disciples of his because of the love that's in us. And this is the question that we've been asking. What does it mean to be the disciple that Jesus wants us to be? And if we're going to ask that question about our personal spirituality, what does it look like to be perfectly spiritual in terms of discipleship? And it means, I think, following Jesus in these two ways. Asking his will and asking about whether or not we love. 1 John 5.12 says, God lives us in us and his love is made complete in us. Are you interested in being complete? Are you interested in being all that God wants you to be? Knowing that, feeling that, experiencing that, being everything that God wants you to be then I would say that there's a couple of questions we need to ask. And you can ask these this week. Because this week you're going to be faced at some point with some kind of circumstance, some kind of decision, some kind of choice. Maybe it's a human being who confronts you and you're just angry as could be with them. Maybe it's a circumstance about which you are incredibly frustrated. 
And in that circumstance, or with that person, if you ask these two questions, am I seeking his will, and is his love living in me, my sense is that you will respond to that circumstance, or that person, or that challenge, exactly the way that Jesus would respond. And then his perfect love will be in you. There will be a completion, a fulfillment, a satisfaction in your life that all of us are striving for. And yet so often we feel isn't there. It can be. Am I doing his will? Am I loving the way he wants me to? These two questions, it seems to me, take us so far in being fulfilled the way that God wants us to be. Let's pray. Lord, when we look at your life, you clearly had some priorities. Doing your Father's will was so central to who you were. When you were on earth. Loving others. And getting us to do the same. Was so clearly central. For everything you desired to do. But God sometimes we. We don't think in these ways. We don't do these things. And we find ourselves frustrated. We find ourselves um, in conflict with others, and sometimes even in conflict with ourselves. So God, work in us in the coming days when that circumstance occurs, when a choice needs to be made, when a challenge is offered, when there's that person standing in front of us who requires so much grace of us. Help us to ask these good questions and be shaped by them and in the process reach the kind of fulfillment and completion in ourselves, our own personal spiritualities that you want us to receive. Work these things in us through your spirit, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen.